a.m. at the Zoom Barrel Sports Bar, 13101 Kirkendall, Houston, Texas. For more information, ticket sales, and volunteer opportunities, visit kpft.org or call the membership department at 713-526-4000, extension 314. You're listening to KPFT Houston. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. I know it's gonna hurt me I don't wanna be a fool 
And you are experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. At the top of the show, we have a little bit of a preview of the fun we'll be having at this year's Accordion Kings and Queens. It's the free concert you've come to expect. It's going to be June 2nd at the Miller Outdoor Theater. I look forward to hosting it once again. Look forward to hanging out with a few thousand of you folks. So glad that the station is lending its support to it one more time. We gave away some free tickets for covered seating. Of course, it's free, so you can come out and hang out on the hill. And, you know, if those folks take too long to show up, you know, you can get in line and get in the covered seating as well. So looking forward to celebrating some of that music with you. And that was a, a little bit of Keenan Dixon at the top. We'll have more throughout the show and in the upcoming show as well. Today, we've got a action-packed show. Right there, you hear a little hum in the background. That is my trifibrillator, which is turning into overdrive with 100,000 watts. That's also my heart pumping harder, which happens whenever I feel extra jolts of energy. So enjoy that. Today on the show, at the top of the program, we'll be speaking with Chilean author Jose Ignacio El Chascas Valenzuela. He's actually coming to Houston, Texas on May 24th. He'll be at the Instituto de Cultura Hispana. I know you know where that's at, but I'll remind you anyway, 3315 Sewell Ross Street, by the establishment they used to call Velvet Ellis. I forget what they call it now. Some kind of lawsuit was involved in that. But it's right there off of Richmond and that street, if you want to enjoy that this Thursday. We'll have him on the air today. That interview will be in Spanglish, and he'll be sharing some of his new work from his new book called Hashtag. We'll also be speaking with, in the second half of the show, Bobby Bridger, as he tells us about a Native American cultural symposium that is really vital to what we do. And we also want to introduce some segments between those interviews. There really is a lot to talk about. We really can't get to every single issue. We try, but we've learned to focus on particular ones at a time. So forgive Forgive us if we don't get to yours. We hope to. Here's the ones we're focusing on now. It's, of course, we've got the tragedy of what occurred in Santa Fe, uh, Texas, which, especially here in Houston, if you drive down to Galveston, you will see the signs of Santa Fe. We all hope that the families that were affected can get through that. We hope that all of us are able to get through this. And we demand that our elected officials do more about this. On that note, our producer, Marlene, has used a, a consulted with Venture, EMG, and they've lent us some of the audio recordings from the March for Our Lives event that occurred here in Houston back in February. Actually, it was March. Back in March. And you'll recall that folks were saying that we had to do things. We had to fight. Well, we haven't done enough, so we want to play some audio from some of the fierce leaders that were there. After we speak with our first guest, we're going to play some audio from Mayor Turner's speech, very powerful words that he shared. So instead of additional music, we're going to defer to some of those words because we're facing it again. and We need to deal with that directly. Also, it is Election Day. Again, we're a nonprofit radio station. We cannot endorse any particular candidates. 
and we hold both parties to the fire. But let's make something clear. We need to start voting people in and out of office based on the issues that are life and death. And this is one of those particular issues. And you know what, Tony? Um, there is an actual Facebook Live video. It's about an hour long. And, you know, we have Sheila Jackson Lee. We have some of the, the student organizers, which range in ages from 15 to 20 on that video. I'm going to share it uh, later on in the show to our Facebook page. If somebody wants to go in and see it, they all gave a speech um, regarding, you know, con gun control and what needs to be done before the march. So I'm also going to be sharing some pictures that I took while I was there. And the one that really caught my attention was where uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, Mayor Turner, and um, our Chief Art Acevedo were linked arm in arm with the students and the leaders leading that march. I mean, that's something you don't see every day. And with uh, what happened in Santa Fe on Friday, it kind of brings it closer to home. So I'm going to be sharing those and I'll share the link as well that we were that was uh, recorded live on that day. And to think it's two months this Thursday. Now, again, folks can see the entire Facebook Live video if they go to the Nuestra Palabra Facebook page. However, we'll be airing uh, a two-minute segment of Mayor Turner's speech, which really is powerful. I, I was there in the audience, and it really touched me. And then we'll also play an excerpt from um, the Honorable Sheila Jackson Lee's speech, and then at the end of the show, the second part of her speech as well. I will say one thing about what transpired uh, for the March for Our Lives. It was the first time that my son pushed me to go to uh, an action. Typically, I'm the one telling my sons, hey, you have to come with me to this talk. You have to come with me to this protest. You have to come with me to this art event. It was the first time that he said, Dad, I need you to drive me to this. So something is going on, and we need to really push harder. I do want to add one element to that before we bring it back to education and uh, get on our typical soapbox. But the uh, there is a Suicide Prevention Center of North Texas, and they had the statistic that said that in 2014, almost 500 folks aged 10 to 24 committed suicide in Texas. Not the entire country, but in Texas. Now, to me, any developed nation that has, I don't think we should tolerate double-digit suicide rates for our youth in our state. That's shameful. And I think that has been overlooked. Now we're going to add this other component where because of access to arms and now because some folks see this as a, an avenue, the youth now will take people with them. And... And it's no, it's no coincidence that this occurs. There's no coincidence that this occurs during, uh, this happened during graduation. This happened during prom, and then of course the Florida shootings occurred during, um, during the uh, Valentine's Day. So I bring that all up because there's so much to to address, including the political issues, but also the families that are being affected have different support in place right now. But we need that throughout the year because perhaps most families don't know where to go to if they think their children need more profound psychological uh, help. So that's kind of the that's kind of the um, one of the angles as well too. Now, the other thing I do want to add is that the um, 
the uh, a lot of issues coming up, of course, have to do with education, and that is vital, so that at the end of the day, we cannot risk that our public schools become places to be feared because they're already being defunded at an accelerated rate. So we've got to address that. And I would add to that too, we've got 10 schools closing in Houston Independent School District that the state wants to take over based on laws that the state developed. We've got 200 teachers that will be losing their jobs at Houston Independent School District at a time when we need more resources. There are about over 100 teachers who will be losing their jobs at Austin Independent School District. All these things fit together, and I think it all goes back to to our original causes. We we mentioned uh, we've always advocating for ethnic studies. I think if we had African American history and Mexican American history in place for decades, we would not be having ten clues, ten ten schools closing right now in Houston Penn School District. So these are all uh, tied together. Of course, this could be a whole series of shows. But we also want to give that which edifies our folks and bring back uh, literature, poetry, art to to keep people going. Now, we again, I, I do want to point out that we plan the shows way in advance. However, every, the world keeps changing. So, of course, Santa Fe, we had to directly address that in some way, shape, or form. So we, we've moved the show around. I am going to take a peek at uh, the crew and the other side of the the glass here they've been sending me signals and writing me notes and i can't communicate with them so i'm gonna touch base with them and say so are we going to continue the soapbox are we going to go to song or are we going to go to our first interview we're going to go to our first interview fantastic so then that would mean that we have on the phone with us jose ignacio el chascas valenzuela are you there jose yeah that's me and i'm here all right you today hey thank you so much for calling in Sabemos que va a estar llegando a Houston esta semana. And, of course, we're going to do this in Spanglish. His book is in Spanish. Our show is in Spanglish. And he speaks 30 languages, including... <laughs> well, I can speak French as well, so you tell me. Oh, but, uh, I think I'm... Um, well, actually, let me tell you something. This is the first time that I do an interview in English. Eso, so this oh, is my yes. really first time. <laughs> I love it. Th that's a great scoop for us. That makes it really special for us. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a very special day for me. So I'm going to try to do it in English. Uh, I don't feel that confident in speaking in English because my, my second language, as I told you, it's French. So I need to switch inside my head between French and <laughs> English and Spanish. <laughs> But I'll do my best. No, perfect. And you're among friends. So we thank you very much for, for doing that for us. And I want to tell our folks listening that we are on the air with Jose Ignacio El Chascas Valenzuela. He's considered one of the 10 best young writers in Latin America. Uh, About.com or the New York Times has gone nuts over him. He's got 15 novels, including Trilogia de la Mal Humor, three of the most successful Latin American books that will be released soon, Mala Luna which is a prequel to this trilogy, and My Grandmother, the Crazy One, 
Ya, mi abuela la loca. <risa> Yo creo que tenemos también, cada uno tenemos una de esas. <risa> we all have a crazy grandmother. Fortunately, because we love crazy grandmother. <risa> and which is going to be published uh, in Europe and translated to Catalan. You're also a screenwriter. You've collaborated with some major companies, some of which are international. So, of course, here in Houston, Texas, we all have an affinity for Telemundo, Televisa, yeah. TV Azteca. Felicitaciones por eso. Muchas gracias. And including gracias. some of the major telenovelas, La Casa del Lado, Santa Diabla, Dami Obrero, Mariposa, and Love at Home. Of course, you know, we could walk into any supermarket here in Houston. <laughs> y las novelas chilenas también tienen mucha fama acá. <laughs> so. Sí, lo sé, lo sé. Y yo también escribí muchas telenovelas para Chile. I love pero it. ya hace muchos años estoy trabajando para el mercado internacional uh, y los últimos años los, digamos los últimos seis años he estado muy centrado en el Hispanic market here in the US Hey, that's us, fantastic Yeah, I know, I know <laughs> And of I course, know. so we're so happy that you'll be coming to Houston, Texas this Thursday, May 24th It's like 6.30pm What a great way to spend happy hour at our favorite Institute of Hispanic Culture 3315 Sul Ross 77098 for your maps on your phone. Of course, it's a little funny to find. I just tell folks it's right off of Richmond, right where the Velvet Elvis used to be. And it's going to be a lot of fun with your new book, Hashtag. So, bienvenidos. Bienvenidos al aire. Thank you so much for, for changing languages for us. And congratulations <laughs> on your new book. Now, what, what interests you? I want to find out. We want to hear about your book. But what interests you in, the, in your brothers and sisters and, and primos and primas here in the United States? What interests you in the, in the Hispanic market out here? Bueno, uh, el Hispanic, mi visión del Hispanic Market en este momento es que cada día se parece más al General Market. Mm. <risa> La verdad, uh, para mí que trabajo por el Hispanic Market, pero también que estoy haciendo el crossover al mercado anglo, al General Market, la verdad no le estoy encontrando mucha diferencia. El hecho de que los latinos seamos la minoría más grande, mm. el hecho además de que el, el mercado general de Estados Unidos cada día esté más latino. I love it. Y de cada día los americanos, bueno, a mí no me gusta decir americanos porque americanos somos todos, claro. todos los que nacimos en América, claro. que es un continente. No le digas eso a Trump, Trump no, no le digas eso a Trump, pero yo estoy de acuerdo. Estoy claro, entonces, pero hoy en día todos los, o una buena parte de los estadounidenses están descubriendo la, la potencia del mercado latino, right. están descubriendo la potencia de los latinos, y es cosa de ver la televisión, es cosa de ver el cine, todo está apuntando hacia, hacia nosotros, todo, I, está, todo está apuntando, todo el mundo quiere ser latino. It's, but I think, and there seems to be two reactions. There's some folks that love it and some folks that are scared. And I think that's why no. we're seeing this, yes. this pushback. Of but of course, we at Nuestra Palabra, Latino Waiters Heaven, they say fully believe that only art can save us. So what I love is that even the title of your new book is one of these works of, of art, uh, Literatura, una obra, that's helping that, that crossover with the name hashtag. Yeah, the the price of perfection can be very painful. I love it. Tell folks a little bit about uh, hashtag and what role that plays in this in this uh, transformation of of the American imagination. Mira, 
Antes de contarte exactamente de qué va Hashtag, déjame contarte una cosa que va a ilustrar lo que estamos contando. Perfecto, perfecto. Hashtag es un libro que sucede en la ciudad de Los Ángeles. El protagonista, un muchachito que se llama Eric Miller, estadounidense por donde lo mires. <risa> Su mejor amigo se llama Chava, es mexicano. Of course. <risa> Los dos viven una aventura increíble que empieza en Los Ángeles y termina en Mexicali. Oh, en I love it. Y todo eso está escrito por un escritor chileno. <risa> That's America. That is America. That is America. Y eso es lo que hace grande precisamente América. Esa diversidad fabulosa mm. que entre todos aportamos lo mejor de muchas diversidades y se hace un todo muy poderoso. Y Hashtag nace un poco de lo que estamos viviendo aquí en América, pero también en el resto del mundo, que es el tema de cómo, la, cómo las redes sociales, cómo los teléfonos, cómo el mundo virtual está de alguna manera manejando nuestras vidas. Mm. Y te voy a contar ahora sí de qué se trata, muy específicamente. Hashtag es la historia de Eric este muchachito de 17 años, hiperconectado. He saw the day with his phone in his hand. Todo el día. <risa> He sees the world through Instagram. <risa> Eric, además, tiene un secreto, un secreto terrible que no lo deja ser feliz. Entonces, él vive la vida with filters. Él saca fotos y se esconde detrás de los filters de Instagram. Mm. Hasta que empezando el libro, los padres de Eric tienen un accidente de auto muy grave. El papá muere mm. y la mamá queda agonizando en un hospital en Los Ángeles. Y Eric, por primera vez en su vida, descubre que hay llantos y tristezas tan grandes que un filtro de Instagram no puede cubrir. Mm y descubre que hay dolores y sentimientos tan poderosos que no caben dentro de un hashtag. Que un hashtag no sirve para expresar esos sentimientos. Entonces, ¿qué se hace? ¿Qué hace Eric cuando descubre que todas las herramientas que él tiene son virtuales? ¿Qué hace para poder entonces empezar a vivir? Y ahí empieza la historia de hashtag. I love it. Que tiene mucho... I mean, that works on so many levels, too, especially with the the intersectionality of all these cultures, but the youth, and, and at the end of the day, we do need people. And I think that's really, that's, that's really powerful as well. And I love we it. Need, we need to touch us. We need mm -hmm. skin. We need to kiss us. We need to look at right to the eyes of all the person that you have in front of you. Y eso no lo da el teléfono. And, and this Thursday, folks can do that. They can convene with cool Latinos, cool non-Latinos, They can meet you in person. They can hear you read this. Uh, your, your prose is powerful. You, 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 you got a great personality, so we know it's going to be a fun reading. Looking forward Thank to you. it. Is this your first reading in, in Houston? It's my first reading in Houston. I'm big book touring. Uh, all my books in America, uh, in Latin America, and Europe for the last, I don't know, seven years. But this is going to be my first time in Houston. Okay. So this is my first interview in English. Yes. <laughs> And this is going to be my first interview. Well, we look so many first times. We look so forward to making it memorable. 
continued success with Hashtag. Put us on your radar. So we'd love to have you back on the air again and look forward to you making a lot of friends here. Just so you know, I'm Chicano, but my, my wife is uh, Chilena, so my sons are really? Chicano-Chilenos. Right. <laughs> me casé una, me, me una capilla in, in um, uh, oh my God, I forgot the name of the, Lond dicen Londres, Paris, y Talca, in Talca. Exacto, Talca. <laughs> Talca, beautiful place. Beautiful place. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Looking forward to the reading and continuing success. Nos vemos este jueves 24 a las 6.30 de la tarde en el Instituto de Cultura Hispana. Ahí voy a estar. Van a, además, para que sepas, tú y todos los que nos están escuchando, van a estar a la venta en ese día todos mis libros. Beautiful. Todos los hashtags, todos. Beautiful. La abuela, la loca, todos. Y yo los voy a estar firmando. Así que los espero a todos. We cannot wait. Thank you so much. See you. We'll Thank see you. you there. We've been speaking with Jose Ignacio Valenzuela, who's going to be premiering here in Houston, Texas. So let's make sure to show him a great time. Now, right now, typically we go to music. Right now, as we said, honoring the youth of Santa Fe and the families and all who have been stricken by this, this uh, violent wave happening in America. We are going to play an excerpt from Mayor of Houston Turner's speech at the March for Our Lives, March last March, just to remind us we are in this to win. And I wanted to be here this morning. I wanted to be here this morning to let each and every one of you know in this city, in this state, in this country, I want you to know you are making a difference that things can change in our city. Things can change in our state. And things can change in our country. Enough is enough. Make America safe again. Protect our children. End the gun violence. Vote the right way. Get these assault guns out of the hands of people who do not need them the right people in office so that your voices can be heard. Please do understand that the power in our city, in our states, and in our country, the power is not just in that building at City Hall. It's not in the capitals in Austin. The power is not in the White House or in of the halls of Congress. The power is right here. You are the power. And bear in mind, when you're talking to people like myself, whether it's a mayor, whether it's a senator, whether it's a legislator, was the president, bear in mind that we work for you. You are, you are the employer. We are the employee. And when we fail, when we fail to hear you and act accordingly, then as the employer, you have the right to remove the employee. Those are some remarks from the March for Our Lives event that took place here in, in Houston. 
course, it was recently, and I don't know if it's fair to say it faded out of the news. It hadn't remained at the forefront for different reasons. And, of course, I must humbly point out that the mayor's remarks are still true. Perhaps maybe only Florida made a few gestures through policy and laws, perhaps. But the, from what I remember, the March for Our Lives organizer said that was not enough. And here we are with this occurring again. Now, from some different reports, you had Dan Patrick remarking on it was about the entrances. That really offended me. That really did offend me. So you're going to blame doors? Evidently, Republican Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick might believe that guns don't kill people, doors do. So instead of more gun control, he wants more door control. That really made no sense. On top of it, I do got to commend Chief Acevedo, who boldly condemned any politicians that went out to get sound bites, to get attention, but who have not been doing enough to change this. And I do want to make make it clear. I'm not just going to put Republicans on blast. I'm going to put Democrats on blast as well. To, uh, so let me blast them directly, though. Of course, you've got uh, Dan Patrick who came out and spoke. You had Ted Cruz giving shallow comments. You had Governor Abbott talking about doing something but not giving specifics. Um, Chief Acevedo did say that Folks like that. He, he didn't name them particularly. He did say politicians have come out to give lip service but not actually act on this. He, he called that shameful. Now, I'm also going to add a, a Democratic candidate, uh, Lupe Valdez, who is one of the candidates for uh, the Democrats for governor. She is running against Andrew White. We'll, we'll know now in a few hours if she's the candidate or Andrew White is. At the time, I had given her a pass for not having more debates directly with Andrew White. Um, and I'm, let me disparage both of them. Of course, I was upset that Andrew White owned these border security enterprises that could pick up the heart of immigrants when they crossed. Um, to me, it seemed that that's more the work of a capitalist, not a public servant. Of course, he responded to public pressure and said he would divest himself of that but he couldn't do that till after the election for different reasons. Um, let me get back to my original point, which is at the time, Lupe Valdez was not meeting with him for interviews. They had one uh, debate. They had one debate. It was not widely publicized. I, she does not get a pass this time around. If she is the candidate, she must. She must have several public forums with Abbott. He's agreed to have public forums and debates, so she must, because this has to be addressed by every single level of government, up and down the ballot, from state reps to senators to county judges to governors. That has to be addressed. So we're we're glad that we're t able to team up with the venture and EMG to play these excerpts. We have posted it on the Facebook page right now. Then we're going to play the excerpts of Sheila Jackson Lee's speech, I believe. Yes, we are. Yes, I actually have it queued up. Great. Begin, and this is a replay of some powerful remarks from the March for Our Lives 
event that went down in Houston, Texas last March. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Mayor Sylvester Turner. Give him another big hand. I was asked to stay in Washington and to march with those who are coming from around the world. I serve as the Vice Chair of the Gun Task Force for the United States Congress. My life in Congress has been a constant stand for gun safety and as Desmond says, to protect you. Before you were born, I was in Congress when Columbine, and they said they would do something then. Texas Tech, and they said they'd do something then. Aurora, and they said they would do something then. When our eyes and our hearts could cry no more at Sandy Hook, they said they would do something then. And in between the violence in Chicago and the lives that have been lost and students who have been shot right here in our hometown, they said they would do something then. In city council, I passed gun safety legislation more than two decades ago. That's way beyond your time. But as we have come to this day, as we march for our lives, I didn't want to be any place else but to stand with Houston strong, Harris County strong, Texas strong, and to say to the nation that Houston and Texas are going to be warriors against gun violence and warriors for peace. That is the Honorable Sheila Jackson Lee speaking to the folks who attended March for Our Lives here in Houston, Texas. Those words ring true even now, especially now. And we hope that folks will act on those words. And I need to remind folks that in November we have an election coming if, if people are not voted in or out based on this issue Nothing will change. More folks will die. And education will not become the stepping stone that it once was. It will become this thing to fear. And, of course, I can't help but wonder if it doesn't help the goal of some politicians to just defund public education uh, across the board. So we want to remind you of those words. We want to hold our elected officials to those words. And, of course... We're a non-profit station. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Heaven to Say at 100,000 watts. Even if you're listening to us later on, everything is archived at the University of Houston Digital Library. And, of course, our hard copies are kept at the Hispanic Collections at the public Houston Public Library. Afterwards, I guess, we could say that or on social media, we can say different things as private individuals. Right now, because of FCC rules, we can't and won't endorse a particular candidate but let's make it clear it's up to both parties to, to get involved on this.
Now we want to go back to the uh, interviews we had planned originally, and we are bringing to the air uh, Bobby Bridger. I think you're on the air. Can you hear me, Bobby? I sure can. Great. Thank you so much for, for calling in. I want to tell folks a little bit about you. You are a singer, songwriter, author, and painter. Over your 50-year career, you've performed all over America and Europe, on National Public Radio, Austin City Limits, all the Texans in the room saying, Wood, PBS's American Experience, Good Morning America, and CNN. You starred in Dale Wasserman's groundbreaking musical Shakespeare and the Indians. It was featured with David Carradine and Will Simpson in the drama Black Elk Speaks. You've been an artist in residence at the Buffalo Hill Historical Center in Cody, Wyoming, the Eugene O'Neill uh, Theater Center in Waterford, Connecticut, and, of course, throughout the country as well. In the 2016 recipient of the Neil, Neil Hart Foundation prestigious Word, I'm sorry, Ward Sender Award. And in 2013, you contributed a historical interview and original music to the Smithsonian Institute National Museum of the American Indian Exhibition entitled Treaties, Great Nations in Their Own Words in Washington, D.C. You're also the author of the award-winning books Buffalo Bill and Sitting Bull, Inventing the Wild West, and A Ballad to the West. And you've contributed essays to anthologies on Western icons Frank Waters and John G. Nearhart. I want to thank you for coming in there. You'll be talking about the Native American Cultural Symposium. And thank you for taking time out to call us here in Houston, Texas. Well, after that introduction, I almost said thank you and good evening. <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> now, now, where are you calling from right now? Where, where are you? I'm in Houston. I live in Houston. I, I've been in Houston for a long time. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I lived in Austin for 25 years, and uh, my wife uh, works in the mayor's office here in Houston. So I've been here for a long time. I just traveled all over the place and kind of checked in here regularly. But, <laughs> you you got to vote uh, somewhere. you got to be registered to vote somewhere, right? So. Yeah. And we... We we lived for many years. We lived uh, in Austin in the winter and in Wyoming in the summers too. So we we've been all over the place. And that's amazing. smart. That sounds really smart <laughs> to take the best of both worlds and, and uh, have the best weather from both. That's smart. Well, my yeah, but my show uh, I had uh, as you mentioned in the introduction. I had uh, musicals that fit like a hand in a glove up there into the Yellowstone country. And so it gave us the opportunity to go up there with companies of artists and spend the summers and, and work in theater. And uh, so that uh, we lived that life for many years. I, uh, and I went back and forth for years with my one-man show version of these shows. And uh, uh, then we developed... Uh, a full-blown company, full company musical out of one of them. So what what are the preparations for this cool, eclectic, artistic, nomadic lifestyle? What do you got to do to get your job? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, th that's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> because uh, I, I would say you have to walk out of a lot of 
things that most people would uh, wholeheartedly run into and embrace. Oh, you're talking our language, Bobby. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So in a parallel universe... Someone stuck in a cubicle thinking, man, it'd be great to go to Yellowstone and, and, and throw some imaginations. But, but of course, well, there, there was risk. I, I, I started out uh, as a pop singer and a country singer in Nashville. Uh, that Actually, as a pop singer, that they said, uh, well, we've got to get a toehold toe somewhere. How about doing this country material? And uh, so I said, sure. Uh, I just wanted to sing. And uh, I'd been a folk singer prior to that, but but my point is that I had to walk out of that career mm. and walk into my what I was called to do as a balladeer. Which is beautiful. Which, as you say, here, here is the beaten path that you were on, and here is something more exciting to you that yeah. had different risks. And... In doing so, I created something that, even though I was on the largest record label in the world at the time, RCA Records, I created something that baffled myself as well as them because (laughs) it was an hour-long concept album with no breaks in between and something that was literally and virtually impossible to get played on the radio. (laughs) which was contradictory to what the record business is all about. So I had to take that, walk out of that again, and walk into the theater. So that's my point, and mm. I've, I've been doing that ever since. Beautiful. That is that's beautiful. how I get my job. I, lo- <laughs> I hear people dropping out of college right now. They're like, hey, I was listening to Nuestra Palabra, and I... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, and, and well, I, well I, the point I, is you have to... You, you don't follow uh, your own path. You create your own path. I, no, I guess. And of course, I jest. I don't want anyone dropping out of college. But exactly, especially yeah, for Chicanos, yeah. I, I think especially for fil- folks that aren't interested, you kind of have to as well, because like, like you're alluding to, if you stay on that traditional path... It, it's going to eat you up and chew you and spit you out the way it wants. And, yes. And, and here's this other beautiful way to approach art, which is what KPFT is all about, which is what you're all about. And, and, and we're so glad that we can touch bases and remind folks who are listening oh, right now and say, hey, man, do beautiful things. Only art can save us. And Bobby rocks. Well, the, the other point I would make is that if you – if you take that route thinking you're going to get rich, uh, it, it, it's it's it, it, that might happen in some movie, but it's not it's not likely to happen in real life. What what happens is you have to do it. It's it's its own reward, mm. and uh, some people uh, strike gold with that path with that option or that direction in life and other people don't and other people just become journeymen work walking their own path with that and and so there is a kind of a middle dow you know the middle path that uh you can find doing such things and i think that that's that's kind of the goal with just about any occupation or any 
ethnic group or anything else, and that's to find that 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 kind of holy middle path that's sacred down the middle of the route. We're supposed to be as humans, you know. Well, you're talking these writers into it, right? <laughs> right <now. laughs> There's a bunch of poets and and writers listening that are like, "Yeah, we love it." But 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 I I, I, I love that that you do state it directly because we we need to be honest with ourselves and others. But also, I think the other lesson is that if you do pick a path where you want to make just tons and tons of dough, there are other costs as well. And and yeah. That's right. Exactly. That's right. You pick your poison, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we got to get you. We got to get you on the air more often here for us. You know, especially now that now that now we know you're not wandering the world 365 days a, a year. Those 10 days that you're here, we gotta gotta hit you up more often. So so tell us about the symposium. Well, that that's uh, that's it's good that we bring that up now. Uh, this is a very very uh, fun uh, thing I've been involved with since its inception and uh, up in Arkansas. Uh, I, uh, for years, I lived uh, truly the life of a balladeer and one of my kind of central places when I, you get out working as a, a troubadour, you know, from gig to gig, uh, I was working from back porch to living room to barn to stable to wherever I could play, you know. Mm. And uh, I lived in the back pickup truck for years like that. And one of the places I always went to when I was between gigs, if I needed a place just to hang out for about a week, was up there in the Ozarks in between uh, uh, Missouri and Arkansas and Oklahoma largely because I was adopted into an Indian family up there in uh, the Quapaw tribe. <laughs> and I already was involved very uh, uh, deeply with Indian people all over the West. And uh, yet I kept thinking about that part of the world. And uh, lo and behold, I found this little uh, museum there and I, a friend of mine booked me there about a year ago, and actually about two years ago. And uh, when I finished my gig, the director there asked if I would help uh, with creating a conference. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> the connections I had in, That's beautiful. in Indian country. And so I put together... My produ put my production skills together and called a bunch of Indian friends from around the country. Actually, not a bunch, but very specific Indian friends, and invited them to take part in this first conference last year, last June. And it was a big success. And so we uh, we the, the theme was following. Uh, uh, the the uh, visions of the holy Lakota holy man Black Elk, uh, uh, who is the subject of the famous book Black Elk Speaks, mm -hmm. that of course half the world has read by now, mm -hmm. and, and his vision of the reunification of the sacred hoops of the world and around a, a single holy tree, and. Uh, 
So with that in mind, uh, that was the theme of the first conference. And, and the director there uh, said that she wanted the second theme to be focused more on youth, uh, Indian, indigenous youth. And I said, oh, my goodness. And she said, can you help me with that? And I said, well, I've been following these great uh, things with, uh, I was friends with Will Sampson, the great Indian actor, the late Indian actor that was in 100 movies back in the 70s and 80s, and played the big chief, and uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and a uh, hundred other films. Mm. Anyway, uh, I, I knew his children, I know his children, and I knew one of his sons was a fancy dancer, but also a hip-hop artist. <laughs> <laughs> And so I had been following him on the web, and so I went back and searched, and the whole world opened up in indigenous uh, contemporary uh, art form now that's out there of uh, guys who are doing, you know, beatbox, uh, hip-hop beats with a rapper and an Indian, you know, injecting Indian... Uh, songs and dance into the whole thing. It's absolutely beautiful and wonderful. And uh, uh, so uh, that was our start, and then uh, it ended up uh, going with a couple of people who do that type of thing, but really going into other people like uh, the wonderful uh, Bunky Echo Hawk, who's a Pawnee artist, who does, uh, he's also a hip-hop artist who uh, plays Indian rap music while he does a, a live-action painting in front of an audience. That's cool. And, and uh, he paints with a theme, a particular theme, uh, uh, and does it, and then he gives the painting to his host to auction off. And the painting he's going to do this year he will donate the proceeds, and it, the bidding starts at $6,000, mind you. Uh, we'll go to the Seneca Black Elk Scholarship Fund for Indian uh, students at Oklahoma State University. So uh, uh, another wonderful addition this year uh, along this idea of, of, of youthful, the youthful approach uh, is this kid from uh, uh, Boulder, uh, uh, Chetescott uh, uh, Martinez. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, he uh, started his uh, activist journey at age four. <laughs> <laughs> he told his mother he had seen a, a program on television about the crisis of climate uh, change, and uh, told his mother that he was going to be affected by this in his age, and he wanted to start now doing something about it. Wow. And his mother started taking him to uh, environmental activist meetings, and he's already, I think he addressed the UN something like when he was like 12 or something, and... Uh, he spoke in South America at one of the big environmental gatherings with the UN, and uh, he's just about done 
things that people only dream of already, and he's just now 17 years old. <laughs> and uh, he's he's I'm really excited to hear him speak. I've seen him on Bill Maher on HBO, and mm-hmm. this kid is this kid is is as poised as a young Barack Obama. Uh, he mm-hmm. is he's someone that is very important to the future and uh now is so there a, he's coming is there a website and, for folks to to get the yes i'll give you the uh give you that right now it's www. mona m o n a h dot U.S. M-O-N-A-H dot U.S. Great. We'll also post that in our Facebook. Museum page. of Native American History, in other words. Uh, uh, so, yeah, put let people know about that because uh, uh, then some of the veterans, uh, I've been friends with Joe Marshall the third uh, for, for many years, and he's a, a traditional Lakota uh from uh, Sintagliska uh, Reservation. He's the author of, oh, I'd say about 14 books. He's uh, consulted with no, numerous movies. He's even starred in a couple of films, uh, one Spielberg series, I think, on, uh, I can't remember how that, what the name of that was. But he's, Joe's been around a long time. And he was a big hit last year uh, at the first conference. Uh, he was one of the people that I knew would address the Black Elk uh, mm. uh, thing the, in a proper manner. And uh, anyway, he's coming back because he wanted to conduct a, a, a traditional Lakota archery workshop and that he does. And so he's going to do that on the Sunday afternoon, I think. Another one of the youngsters we have coming is Brooke Simpson, who was, uh, she came in, I think, third uh, on The uh, the Voice last season. Wow. Uh, she is from the Halu, Haluwa Saponi uh, tribe in North Carolina, which is a subgroup of the Cherokee, and uh, she, uh, frankly, uh, I saw her on The Voice. She was the only person last year to get a four-chair turn from the uh, coaches, Hmm. and uh, the minute I saw that happened, I called the director, and I said, make contact somehow with with this girl (laughs) right now. And so we kept doing that all season, and by the end of the season, we had invited her to come and perform. And so she's again one of the youngsters that we're 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 attempting to put the young That's some beautiful. young contemporary I love it uh, artists I love it. together but, with some of the older wizened. Let me let me folks. ask you two questions as we wrap mm-hmm. up time. Um, First question is: um, We got to get you on the air more regularly. So, uh, would, would you be fine with that? We got to get you in here, maybe perform. Would you be cool with that? 
Yeah, oh, sure. I used to come in there and visit with Roark on uh, his program. Well, he's not too early. Uh, he's not too early. Yeah, you got to come I, later I, in the day with us. <laughs> old, uh, I'm an old friend of KPF. That's so perfect. I've been in Texas a long time playing perfect. music, man. Perfect. Uh, well, well, we got to get you at Nuestra Palabra live and performing. Perfect. I love it. That's I so. And let me ask you another. This will be a closing question. Um, how do you feel about getting Native American studies into Texas high schools? Would you be interested in? in we're pushing for Mexican American studies. We'd love to team up with you to get Native American studies in in Texas schools oh, too. I'm all about that. All right. I'm all about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, if you once you know, we can talk about that off the air or whatever. But uh, I'm because it sounds like we're running out of time, but. Uh, I, that's uh, that's something I'm involved in right All now. All right. So, that's okay. awesome. Hey, Bobby, we're blessed to get to talk to you. H- have a really successful symposium. We're looking forward to sending folks to that. And thanks for calling in. Well, thank, thanks for uh, giving us all this precious airtime for such things. And uh, it's much appreciated. And uh, I'm sure it's going to help a lot of uh, indigenous people. Beautiful. We are united. Thank you, you bet, so man. much. Hey, you, everyone, you are experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino artists having to say on the air. We're going to be closing out. Um, I think instead of music, we're going to be playing the second part of uh, the Honorable Sheila Jackson Lee speech. Is that correct? Marlon? We're going to uh, do just a few seconds. The, like I said, the video is already on our Facebook page and our Twitter just because we running out of time. Run out of time. So I'm going to play. Well, let's see if seconds. Coming to America lets it play a little longer. They're our <laughs> friends. Anyway, thank you for tuning in, everyone. Let's get to it. All right. I have spoken to the students from Douglas High School. I have hugged them. I have thanked them. But today I come to accept the challenge and to challenge all of you. We must go with information that is constructive. In the House of Representatives... online to either of KPFT's two live channels on your phone. Install the TuneIn app, available for both Apple and Android, and then search for KPFT. You'll see both the FM channel and the newly improved HD3 channel. Press play and you're listening, or point your browser to kpft.org. Listening online means no more reception issues. Tune in our mix of local social justice shows and music selected with love by our Houston DJs, all there on your phone at any time. kidneys of the water system. They clean out pollutants and help manage flooding in times of high rainfall. Preventing more Houston land from being covered in concrete ensures that more of the precious little water that falls has the ability to soak into the ground and our aquifers. Living with water shortages or damaging floods brings to light how connected we all are to the natural world around us. Our health suffers without clean water and fresh air. Families suffer without safe places to spend time together outdoors. Bayou Land Conservancy, a local nonprofit organization celebrating its 20th anniversary, works to permanently protect land in the greater Houston area with a special focus on the 13 watersheds that feed Lake Houston. 
please visit our website at www.bayoulandconservancy.org or find us on social media. KPFT Houston, 